Good morning. Yeah, it's good to be together, and uh, I hope that you'll track along here, not only in God's Word through these verses, but in your outline, if you'd like to follow along there. <clears throat> Living the life. Sounds kind of like some advertisement line you'd hear over and over again, right? Uh, trying to get you to buy some product or some property, because obviously you don't have that item, uh, and you're not living big enough, right? Um, and by purchasing that item, it will really elevate you to living big in life. Isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> and uh, actually, it's living the life that you deserve. That's the line that we get from the world. Let's just get to the chase here. God has a different plan for how you live life. <clears throat> he wants his children to go about living the life, and as most of us know, it's contrary to the way of the world. The world's ways of living the life. So in God's word, God has repeated this way over and over again. It's a topic that's found all throughout the Bible. And I liken it to having a master key for living this way in honoring the Lord. And mainly, it's because of why God calls us to this. And by the way, there's a lot of benefits in this way. Living this life, let's fill in a blank here. Living this life in the fear of the Lord. And that's our focus here this morning in our study, in this message. And because of it mentioned so many times in the Bible, the fear of the Lord, we dare not ignore it. We dare not turn from this call upon our lives, a command from God. And sadly... That has been the trend of believers, of churches. And so here this morning, I want to call us back to this and remind us of this and cheer us on to continue in this way to walk in the fear of the Lord. And I believe it's been a trend among Christians for several reasons. Number one, we choose to live most according, you know, mostly according to how our comfort zone goes up and down. Our comfort zone. <laughs> it's really how we want to live according to our liking. And yeah, we show up at church and we serve and we give and all that. But really what's driving our lives, it tends to be more about our comfort zone than about walking in the fear of the Lord. Secondly, it's how we perceive God. The trend to not walk in the fear of the Lord is because we perceive God, um, he, he, is, he is our Father above, but it's like we end it right there, because he's a good Father, isn't he? You're supposed to say yes, he is. He is. But guess what? There's much, much more to the picture of who God is. Yes, we will always call upon him as our father. 
And he is good. He is faithful. But what we're going to see today is that we've got to see more than just that part of it. And so this trend is even picked up by our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends that are not, they're not a believer. They pick it up. Oh yeah, God's good. But what we're, what's happened there is that, um, even non-Christian people pick up that God, God's good if he's there. I mean, yeah, he's good and he loves everyone. But there's nothing more than that to their process and their thinking about who God is. So over the years, many years, maybe even a couple of centuries worth, maybe, it's been a misunderstood concept. And being misunderstood, it's really missing the key. So many Christians are missing the key. So, what we want to do is understand the master key of living for God is the fear of the Lord. Yes, love one another. Yes, of course. But we should be, uh, we should be empowered by this concept and this truth about walking in the fear of the Lord. So, all of us have experienced the fear of um, the pandemic over the past two and a half or two years, we've experienced fears of other sorts, and uh, we've got to clear the air, so to speak, about um, damaging fears versus desirable fears. And a lot of us camp over here with the fears that are more damaging to ourselves than the, the healthy fear of God. And we allow that to dominate. And you talk to people and, and you know, how they're doing and all, and it just seeps over there, it sneaks over there to the fears that we have. That, yeah, there are issues of life and there are struggles and difficulty, but when you compare it to the Word of God, what does God say about those? Now, I, I get it. It's easy for me to call it out. They're not that big of a deal. They're fears, you know, and God says, don't fear. How many times does God say, don't fear? <laughs> and yet we, what? <laughs> we tend to fear and grow anxious or depressed or angered or whatever. I just want to mention that because we reckon, we, we've got to recognize that. But there's something much, much more valuable over here with learning and growing in the, the right kind of healthy fear, the fear of the Lord. And by the way, before I get carried away and lost in my message, I want to promote, uh, there's probably a lot of books, but these are two that are really helpful regarding this topic. R.C. Sproul. Old book, not brand new. R.C. Sproul, The Holiness of God. Pick it up, get it. And he talks about it towards the end there. And then um, Ed Welch, When People Are Big. And what he deals with is a lot of the issue of the fear of man in the book. Because we allow people to get big in our lives and not 
God. We need to magnify God. Our, our idea of God is, is not where it should be. So these are two really helpful books. We'll put them down there now and they're out of the way. Okay. So let's get started here. Number one, our orientation in our preparation. Okay. <clears throat> the first steps for this kind of living is we, we find it, actually, I mentioned already, it's all throughout the Bible, and it especially pops up, the, the fear of the Lord instruction and commands pop up, especially in Deuteronomy, where it's the, the, the giving of the, the law a second time, and then also in Proverbs. And I haven't listed all the, all the references um, for you in the outline, but there's some of them are there. And obviously, Proverbs 1, 7, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then later on in Proverbs 9, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay, so the idea behind knowledge, simply put, is that knowledge tends to focus on correct understanding of the world, okay? Um, while wisdom is the that acquired skill of applying that knowledge to what you know. That's simply put. That, you know, that's what most all of us understand. And what we have to understand then is that without the fear of the Lord, that knowledge and that wisdom really doesn't happen the way it ought to. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning it's the like the foundation, the first step. <clears throat> okay? So wisdom starts with this attitude in life, having the fear of the Lord. And then in Proverbs 9, in verse 10, where it says the Holy One, that's regarding, it's an emphasis on who God is. He's the perfect Holy One. That's the idea behind that statement, the phrase, the Holy One. He's the perfect, there's no other. And then in Deuteronomy, it's not in your uh, outline, but you can put it in front or above Deuteronomy 10, and that's Deuteronomy 5 and 6. Just mark that down. What God's law leads to, and what parents in Israel, and you as parents, you know, as believing parents in you know, you aim for your children to grow in the law of God so that they will fear God. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. What does the Lord require of you? Then it goes on to say, to fear the Lord your God and walk in his ways, to love him and serve him with all your heart. There's a great rich, you know, there are great riches behind all of these phrases that you can look up. On your own. It's a great study. Mark it in a certain way. Whenever you come across the fear of the Lord, there's great riches there. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Jesus warns us. He says, I will warn you who to fear. Don't fear those who kill the body, but fear the one, fear him who after he has destroyed has the authority 
to cast into hell. That's who you fear. And really, if you are a believer, there is no fear of hell. But God is the one who calls that out. He's the one who has the authority to cast into hell. And being in Christ, you have the perfect refuge from the wrath of God. And if you're not a believer, you can attend church all you want. You'll never make it to heaven. You'll never get right with God until you submit, you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he came. That's why he died. And when you put your faith in him, your sins are put to him and his righteousness put to you. But until then, you're on your own. And you better fear. You better fear and be afraid of the fact that God has that authority. There is no one else. I've added in James chapter 3, um, James chapter 3 is uh, that passage at the end of chapter 3 on the, uh, the, the issue of wisdom. There's the wisdom of the world, or earthly wisdom, and the wisdom from above. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. James chapter 3, helping you understand that more. It's the believer's wise up warning, is what I had there in your outline. The believer's wise up warning. So that's uh, really the first steps in it. Along with that is a definition. The fear of the Lord, in your outline again, if you're filling it in, the fear of the Lord is the continual awareness of God's nature, of God's presence and his coming judgment. The fear of the Lord, really, simply put, is to revere him, to honor him. Here's another one that I picked up um, in the research that I did on it. A, a biblical fear of God for the believer includes understanding how, get this, how much God hates sin and fearing his judgment on sin, even in the life of a believer. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about God as our Father will love us, but how does he love us? By disciplining us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And it's done in love, but he's going to discipline his children. Matthew 17 is another passage you can um, um, maybe jot down there under the definition uh Section, and that is where Jesus takes his three disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and there he's transfigured, and he's there, all of his glory. And Moses and Elijah show up, and they talk. And Peter, he's got the great idea, set up some tabernacles for the three of them, and hang out here for a great, great retreat. Nobody can beat that one. And then a cloud covers them. What happens? A voice from heaven comes saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And you know how it ends? 
the voice from heaven with exclamation says, listen to him. Now, you can keep Moses and Elijah in there. You can add anybody else in there. No one matches the Lord Jesus. No one comes close to it because he's God. So listen to him. And because of that, fear <laughs> struck those disciples. They were, they were just totally afraid. Also, along with definition is, uh, and you might, in your study of it, you might find other definitions. This is one I've grown, kind of grown up with, this idea of the fear of the Lord is the continual awareness of God's nature, of God's presence. Not that, not alone that he's just a loving God. That is true. And then there's illustrations all throughout the Bible. We can't even list all of them, but, you know, we just, we need to touch on it. They're there. Go look for them and connect them to the issue of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 4, verse 4. You see it there in your outline. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Even the Matthew 17 reference um, that I just mentioned. And there's other uh, people that demonstrate this and illustrate it in their lives, the fear of the Lord. Then it's not only defined and illustrated, then it's generated. How does this get going? We need to remember, it's not because I figured it out or you figured it out. It's commanded from God. It's generated by God. It's generated through the, the instruction of His Word and the Holy Spirit that makes it come alive. That helps you and me to apply it. To make it real in our lives. To live this way. In the fear of the Lord, it's because of God. And underneath generated by God, uh, let's add in, you can just jot it in, benefits. Benefits of walking and living in the fear of the Lord. Guess what? We don't have time to go over all of them. But it's like a multitude of benefits. Okay. So the fear of the Lord, I, you don't have to write it down or anything, just get this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence, and your children will have a refuge. Mom and Dad learned that one. That's Proverbs 14, 26. And 14, 27 in Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that helps turn you from the snares of death. 1923 in Proverbs, it leads to life. Chapter 22, verse 4. It's the reward for humility. It brings about riches, honor, and life. Chapter 28. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. And for you gals, Proverbs 31. Blessed is the woman who fears the Lord. And on it goes. <clears throat> Point number two. There's problems we encounter. There's roadblocks on the way. It's on the back of your outline. Hindrances, problems that hinder us regarding the fear of the Lord. 
Letter A is weak theology. Weak theology. If you're recognizing you have not been driven by the fear of the Lord, it could very well be because there's a problem of this weak theology. And I'm not saying everyone has strong theology. In our men's book study time, you know, everyone is a theologian. You realize that? Everyone is. One way or another, you're a theologian. Because you're, you're constantly, um, div- uh, you know, defining who God is by your behavior. And so how does the truth of God's word come together with your behavior? <laughs> Are you submitting to that? Are you influenced by, here's what God reveals about himself in his word? So, under letter 2A, weak theology, there are fears that really deplete a believer. If you don't remind yourself that God is sovereign, you're going to have things pop up in your mind that God is in control, right? Uh, No, he's not. What am I doing? How am I responding to the pressures of life? So there are fears that deplete a believer. And part of that is, the, the next fill in the blank there is this ignorance of who God is. Or who cares about who God is if you're just living your life the way you want to live anyway, then it's, a, you're, it's an apathetic kind of situation. You don't care. Where are you at? How do you respond? Are you concerned about having this applied into your very practice in your life, in the situations of life? Are you asking God for his help in this way? Here's the the deal. When there's weak theology, it will result in if you're saying you're a believer, a very weak faith. And weak responses follow that. Weak responses to the situations of life. That's why you see, you know, and I I can do it too, having an angry, flesh-driven response to something that's happened to me or someone that said something to me. That's not of the Spirit of God, right? Right? That's of the flesh. Now, when you see someone, or it's, if it's someone in your family or whatever it is, don't just call them out and say, man, you're being sinful here. Well, no, you just you, you pray for them. Come alongside of them, saying, what's, how, what's going on? How can I pray for you? So weak theology is a, is a, a critical problem And that's why we, here at at Parkside, we want to continue promoting this, uh, sharing the gospel, uh, teaching from the Bible, encouraging it, that you are putting it into practice in your own life. What else? Number B, letter B. Hindrances is when the flesh rules. That just kind of 
goes along with what I said moments ago. It's when the flesh rules in my life. All of us, as believers, all of us have this challenge. All of us have this battle. It's not just Satan and the world. It's my flesh and your flesh. In fact, that's where it really kicks in going. The, the, the things of the world, that's not primary. The things of Satan might be, you know, sneaking in in our thought life and whatever, you know, temptations, whatever. But it's how you respond. Is it from the, the power of the flesh? Or the, I should say, the weakness of the flesh? Or the power of the spirit? You can see those verses there. Romans 8, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. All of us are, all of us should understand that. It's like we get focused in on something and we can't move our mind off of it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Or I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Whatever it might be. Because our minds are set on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Okay? <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5 says similar things. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Recognize that every day, every morning. You wake up, recognize it. Say, Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need your help. Here we go. I'm yours. And walk in the fear of the Lord. So, point number one, here's this orientation and prep. Point number two, the hindrances that get in the way, the roadblocks. Point number three, <clears throat> there's being energized, yet humbled. Energized, yet humbled. Let's take your Bible and turn to First Peter. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. First Peter chapter one. <clears throat> First Peter chapter one, verses three through like verse twelve is here's your position. Here's what you have been granted and given because of the work accomplished at salvation. Okay? You have a blessed hope, a living hope. And then we pick it up at in letter A at, at 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy <clears throat> for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him 
are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory sent you so that your faith and hope are in God. <clears throat> this is our passage to wrap things up with. We want to take them bit by bit here. Letter A is 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 16. And we see the imperatives for the believer, the commands. <clears throat> so therefore, because of what Christ has accomplished, so you, believer, prepare your mind for action. Is that just at Christmas time? Is that just at Easter time? It's all the time. It's ongoing. And a lot of times, we're uh, worn out and weary. Yeah? We need His help, His grace, His Spirit leading us in the being worn out and weary. The battle belongs to him. Thank you. The battle belongs to the Lord. And you and I face it every day. Prepare your mind for action, brother and sister. Be sober-minded. Have sound judgment in dealing with things. Then set your hope or fix your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. And then it goes to obedience. Should we just skip that part? In my theology, guess what? A lot of times I can just skip that part. Why? Because my flesh is in control at the moment. There's no fear of the Lord going on. I'm more concerned about my agenda in my ways. <clears throat> but we come back to this. You set your hope fully on the, completely on the grace to be brought to you. And here's obedience. And obedience is supposed to have us looking different from the world's ways. And obedience really is the matter of learning to love the Lord and honor Him. And it will show. But you're not doing it for show to other people. You're doing it for the one that matters, Jesus, our God. And in obedience, then now, reflecting what we see here in this passage, the holiness of God. I'm sure we um, all would... Probably say, I, I don't match up. I don't, I don't uh, make that mark. But see, this is what Christ did. He, all that he accomplished was so that Paul would rightly say, <laughs> you are holy and blameless in God's sight. You're holy. You. You, as a believer, you're holy and blameless in his sight. That's our position. And now the question, the big question is, the big, you know, big issue is my practice. Is my practice lining up with my position? Am I living in, in holiness of life? Lord, help me. And help me to read and identify what it is that's going on in my life, in my practice, in my thoughts, in my reactions to everything. 
And Lord, help me to ask for your help to truly live in this way and walk in this way. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We need to remind ourselves of these things because the fear of the Lord, the main, uh, how do I say it? The attribute of God that shines most importantly there is the holiness of God. If you want to say, yeah, I want to change my life. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. It starts with growing and understanding him as a holy God. What does that mean? You know, with my arrogance or my anger issues or whatever I'm, whatever a person is dealing with, when we shine the, the truth and the light of God's holiness on that issue, wow, I'm convicted. And that's a good thing. And so, Lord... Help us in learning more about your holiness and your righteousness and your ways. It comes down to identifying God's attributes. <clears throat> we need to, um, under letter A, it's about, you know, here's God's imperatives for the believer's conduct. <clears throat> I overlooked that, sorry. Under letter A, for the believer's conduct. Letter B is about God's authority. Not only is he holy, you know, we, we need to remind ourselves of God's identity, of God's person, of God's attributes. <clears throat> and as father, he judges. That's what it's saying here. <clears throat> Verse 17 says that. If you call on him as father who judges... He's a father who judges impartially. <clears throat> and so we need to understand that. And you say, well, I, I know that I won't be judged because I'm no longer under condemnation. Romans 8, verse 1. Okay, that's right. But then you have to deal with a couple other passages where your works will be judged. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You see it there? 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, and 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. That's called the judgment seat of Christ, the, or the Bema seat, if some of you guys uh, have heard that phrase in the past. It's the judgment seat of Christ for who? For believers and their works. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. But your works will be judged. Were they done, you know, was it wood, hay, and stubble kind of things? They're going to burn up. Was it done, you know, for the Lord and his glory? They'll get through the fire. They'll be tested by fire and come through. And make it through. <clears throat> for his glory, for his honor. Praise the Lord for those works. <clears throat> but then there's also... That's for the believer. So, for the unbeliever, there's the great white throne judgment. And there will be no hope for 
redemption there. Again, let that settle in. Please don't just push that off. If you're not a believer, we implore you to come to faith in Jesus Christ so that you won't have to face the great white throne judgment and be separated from God forever. So, we need his help to grow in our understanding of who he is as being holy, as being almighty, as being just, as being righteous, as being all-knowing. These are, are attributes that let's familiarize ourselves with them again if we've kind of let them drift off. Let's bring it to mind throughout this week and yet still call him Abba Father, okay? <laughs> and we proceed on this pathway of walking in fear of the Lord. Let us see in verses 18 through 19 what we see motivating us in this way is the redemption and its redemption's value is brought forth here. Redemption's value In verse 18, look at it. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold. Perishable things could never, ever do what Christ did. All the money in the world is not going to redeem you. The business of being redeemed is by way of a purchase. And what what did that what did God use? Well, he says it in the next line. In verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. Only the precious blood of Christ could <laughs> redeem you. And it was like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Well, that obviously calls back to the Passover lamb. There it is, the, the, the foreshadowing of the gospel in the book of Exodus. Where a life, this life of a lamb, had to be slain. The blood uh, poured out. To picture what would be coming at Calvary. His shed blood represents his willing and perfect sacrifice given as that payment to buy you out of that prison of sin. This is what motivates you, believer. Why am I going back with behavior that shows I'm back in the prison of sin? Lord, help me. Help me to stay away from that and walk in the ways in the fear of the Lord. So redemption is the main motivation here, along with here's the attributes of God and the the work of God. The redemption's work is, here's the gospel. And what value is that to you? Of what value is that to you? Weigh that out. What can wash away my sin?
letter D. First Peter, in chapter 1, 20 and 21. We see God's loving kindness and provision. We recognize his work for you. But really, for his glory. <laughs> you, you read verse 20 and 21. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Got it? <laughs> Amazing. God's amazing and glorious plan from the foundation before the world began. This is a great God. This is a God we can't comprehend. And yet we've, he's revealed himself in the word. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him, you're believers in God who raised him, Christ, from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So it's for God's glory, clearly for God's glory, that he did this, his own glory, that you and I would glorify him. So the mention of his loving kindness and provision is for you in the midst of this redemption message. 2 Corinthians 5.15, mark it down. 2 Corinthians 5.15 And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So, it's clear evidence that Christ rose up from the grave and it's continuing to be clear evidence that he will receive all the glory. And we will continue doing that here and on into eternity. Give him the glory. So what now? How's your conduct in these days been? How's your conduct been? Whether it's with other people or on your own? Have we been growing in holiness and in the fear of the Lord? I close with these concerns, I'll call them applications or concerns, okay? And uh, I need your encouragement, and I want to encourage you. Let's continue being people that are learning about this master key, if you will, the fear of the Lord. Learning and understanding it. I don't want to just have it filed away up here in my brain. I want it, I want to understand it, but then I want to, Lord, help me to live it out. I want that for you. We, as elders, want that. That we would learn it, understand it, and then walk in wisdom in the fear of the Lord. The beginning of the, of the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Secondly, avoiding the hindrances. Continue uh, being a part of Bible studies. Uh, join the men's and women's book club. Uh, come to Sunday school. Uh, connect groups. Uh, you know, just one-on-one -on -one times with other believers. Folks that will encourage you in your walk to fear the Lord in your life. Having brothers or sisters nearby you that... Um, 
that encourage your heart in the things of God's Word. If you're out there by yourself, you are, you're an island. And it's true, you know, no man's an island. We need encouragement from times like this and during the week. Checking up on someone, calling them, going out to lunch with them or breakfast. But avoid these hindrances, these problems that are so quick to come and and take charge. Weak theology, when my flesh rules. And then thirdly, let's be energized to fear the Lord. Let's be energized and humbled in this way. We have his promise, my friend. The word of God tells us that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we have the promise from Hebrews 13 that he will never leave us or forsake us. We have the promise, Philippians 1, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. Fearing God means having such a reverence for him that it has great impact on the way you live. God, help us to grow in respecting. That's a part of fear. Obeying. Humbling ourselves. Submitting. And in worship of you, O God. As a last reference, I want to just encourage you to... I didn't put it in the outline notes, but I want to encourage you to write this down. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. I, uh, a a month and two months ago, whatever, did a series on worship. And this wraps it all together. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, or reverence and fear. You know why? Verse 29. Our God is a loving Father. No. Our God is a consuming fire. So be grateful that you've been rescued. Be grateful that you've been rescued from the wrath of God and that it's all because of Jesus Christ. Give him the glory. Walk in fear and watch what God does in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time together. And we recognize, Lord, it's not really uh, even hinting at health, wealth, and prosperity kind of garbage teaching. Thank you, Lord, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's pierced through our hearts, through our minds and our hearts, that your truth would sink deep in. And that we would be a people that are growing to love and serve you, but to Walk in fear. Walk in the fear of the Lord. We need your wisdom. 
You tell us to ask for wisdom. So Lord, help us to grow in these things. And thank you, Lord, that you tell us not to fear the things that happen in our lives. For you are there and you are our strength. You are our rock. You're our fortress. And so, Lord, help us to be a people that we are quick to not fear the things that go on in life, but that we, are be, that we would be quick to walk in the fear of the Lord and live that way. Thank you, Father, for our time here. Seal it into our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So Christian, let's be found living the life, okay? That big life that we find in God's Word. There'll be a couple up front that if you'd like to uh, pray or talk, uh, you can come forward and, and be with them. Other than that, have a great day. God bless you.